Let's get down to business. Thanks for coming out tonight. I wrote me a manual, a step by step booklet for you to get. Oh, I make money moves. You can't see me, my time is now. What up, what up, what up? Welcome to a, another edition of the Massive Joe's Show, episode three. Big Nevos. I'm back. You're back, baby. We missed you in episode two. You didn't fly me over to America, which didn't didn't still make it to very uh, upset about. Didn't make it to Costa Mesa to uh, to sit down with Mike Rashid and Sean Torbati in that episode two. But I you're feel back. As, I feel as though Mike and I are sort of just like we just tag team though. Like same, same like body composition. <laughs> we're, we're both just jack motherfuckers, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> We've had a whole lot of positive feedback on the first two episodes of the Massive Joe Show, which kind of puts us under a little bit of pressure to, uh, you know, to back it up with this here episode three. But we have a jam-packed episode for you guys today, fitness times business. As usual, our fitness topic for this episode three podcast is going to be the best way to bring up lagging muscle groups, mm-hmm. something that we get asked about on the daily. And have struggled with. Well, yeah. I have. Well, we both got personal experience with it. Damn calves. I've still got personal experience with it. Damn chest. My chest just won't fucking grow. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And the business side of this podcast, uh, interesting topic, why running your own business is not for everyone. Exactly. I think Very I'm, interesting. I'm, ex- I'm excited for that one. Well, I mean, we've both had uh, first-hand accounts on running our own businesses. We have. So, we'll And we've had uh, you, first-hand you experience with working for other people as so well. So there you go. So Both of us. So yeah. exciting, exciting podcast. Let's get straight into it, man. Starting off with fitness, best way to bring up lagging muscle groups, big neve. Um, what's your key? What's your one key? We haven't actually gone over this, so what's your one key? And then I, I've got a couple, so I'll hear yours first and I'll follow up my second, because I'm sure that I'm going to both mind of what you're going to say. Well, I, I, before, honestly, before we even get into my my tips and tricks about how to bring up lagging muscle groups, I want to kind of set the, the, the scene a little bit. I want to set the tone mm. and just acknowledge the fact that genetically, so through nature, and mm-hmm. then also through nurture or through practice, depending on you know how you start the athletic part of your life, mm-hmm. you, all of us are going to naturally have stronger, more dominant muscle groups. Exactly. And weaker, less dominant muscle groups. Mm-hmm. Nobody comes into the health and fitness lifestyle with no dominant and no weak muscle groups. Very, so, very genetic as well. Well, it's but it's 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 genetic, and, and I'm just going to give you. I'll give you my. I'll use myself as an example. Mm-hmm. Okay, so genetically, I mean, I genetically I have broad shoulders. Yeah. Right. So automatically, it's always going to be difficult for me to build a mm. phenomenal chest, mm-hmm. just because my my clavicles are so wide, and and genetically, it's just, just a lot of space to fill there. Mm. But then through you know what I did when I was younger as a you know as a kid and a teenager I used to play a lot of basketball which is a very front delt dominant sport with you know shooting passing pushing so on and so forth which therefore made my front delts dominant mm. which made my quest to build a chest even more difficult yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's a there's a you know just as an example for you guys there's, there's a combination of both genetics and, you know, sports that you play when you're younger or different muscle groups that for whatever reason you use more than other muscle groups when you're younger, which is where the nurture part comes in. Yeah. So I think kind of, you know, starting off with that as a background and acknowledging that right from the start, mm. then you kind of lead into, okay, well, you know, in my example, you know, what's the best way to bring up my chest, which is my biggest lagging muscle group? Mm-hmm. In your, you know, for, for you, you've always had an issue with with calves. And arms. And arms, mm. you know. So whereas, you know, you have you, your dominant muscle groups are kind of my weak muscle groups. Yeah, chest and back. So to so, speak. Yeah. So... You know, my, I guess the, the most people kind of, their, their automatic thing is just train it more. Yeah. Right? That's the automatic kind of uh, answer to this question. How do I bring up lagging muscle groups? Oh, well, why don't you just train your chest more? Mm. Or why don't you just train your arms more? Yeah. Or why don't you just train your calves more? Mm-hmm. Or hit different exercises or increase the volume or increase the, like, it's just the, you know, the kind of no-brainer stuff that people kind of throw out there. Yeah. Which isn't always correct. Yeah. I mean, probably that's obviously one thing is, is the frequency um, that you said. Probably, probably, I mean, for me personally, uh, we'll go back to what you said, but for me personally, it's just the, the that intensity and how, as you said, the intensity and how often you're training that muscle group. Yeah. 
Um, for me, something like when with my powerlifting background, I mean, I spent two days a week deadlifting and two days a week benching. Mm. Three three years down the track, wonder why my bench and back are so big and I've got non-existent arms and calves. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's about what you're focusing on. And then I mean, even now, I mean, I'll hit... Um, I have been hitting more of a push-pull leg split. My shoulders, chest, and back keep growing. My yeah. calves don't grow. I think, fuck, why is this happening? I mm. look back, well, I've hit two sets of calves this week, mm. and I've hit 17 exercises for chest. And this is a you're, you're you're kind of touching on a very interesting point here. Is is naturally we tend to gravitate towards our stronger muscle groups exactly. already. Exactly. So and, and what you enjoy is I enjoy going yeah. and and throwing up. The dumbbells, I, of like, and I enjoy pushing heavy weights on. I enjoy loading up and putting like three plates aside on the bench press and repping it out. Of course, I hate you standing there with the with, on the calf raise machine, buddy, using forty five kilos that my little sister could fucking do. Yeah, sitting there with my calves aching and burning. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not fun. Yeah, if something's not fun, you don't enjoy it. And there's obviously, I'm one of those people though. If I don't enjoy it, I don't like doing it. And, that, and that's an issue. And then, yeah, as I said, I look back, one of my calves don't grow. Don't grow. Well, it can't grow when I do two sets of calves a week. So the stronger muscle groups get stronger yeah. by by nature of them being strong yeah. and you enjoying training them. Yeah. And the weaker muscle groups fall further and further behind. Exactly. So the piece of advice where people are like, you know, just train it more, I mean, in theory it makes sense, but in practice a lot of people struggle to implement that. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Practically. Yeah, I know that my calves are my weak point. Yeah. But do I go and do anything about it? No. Do I go train it more often? No. No, <laughs> even though you know that that's probably the most obvious thing to do. Yeah. So, I'm, I, I mean, from, from my perspective, I think that really the first thing that you need to do, and this is kind of why I started this podcast out with, with you know, the, the realization, the understanding that people do have stronger and weaker muscle groups. I think the first thing that you need to do is become aware of your weaker muscle groups mm. and get your mindset around the fact that you are going to need to pay them a little bit more TLC mm. by virtue of the fact that they are a weak muscle group. Mm. So I think that, that you know, even before you go and think about, you know, practically training them more, I think the first thing is is getting your mindset in that <clears throat> situation. And that's, you know? I mean, that's when you step back and I look back at, I step back, look at my physique. Yeah. My chest is very, very dominant. Yes. My delts are very, very dominant. Yeah. I know realistically I could get away with training chest every 10 days probably. Yeah. Whereas my calves, I should really be hitting them every second day or every every third day. Yeah, with, with high volume and, and different everything. Whereas chest, I could go in and I could realistically, yeah, pretty much lately, I've been going in and hitting four exercises for chest. Yeah, like twelve working sets, mm -hmm. fifteen working sets mm -hmm. every w once a week, and my mm -hmm. chest continues to grow. Mm -hmm. um, whereas my calves, as I said, like I've been needing to hit them two times a week, three times a week. So I've got I've I've kind of said that I've got over dominant front delts. Mm. You want to know the last time I did a shoulder press was? I it would probably be the last time we were trained together, which is almost two years ago. Yeah, yeah, it would be. It would be. So I, I, that's I, the thing is, is you have to look back and and you have to take a bigger picture as well, and ha yeah. and have a look at the bigger picture of all right, my my front delts, my front delts are a bigger muscle group. Yeah. But you sit back and you look, all right, well, what's happening? You're hitting your front delts on chest day mm -hmm. when you're doing your incline. Mm -hmm. When you're hitting bench press, you're hitting your front delts. Mm -hmm. When you're doing your front cable fries because you roll your shoulders forwards, mm -hmm. you don't keep your shoulder blades retracted, you're mm -hmm. hitting your front delts in that movement. You're hitting your front delts in shoulder day while you're pressing. Mm -hmm. On chest day, I'm going doing and I'm doing heavy weighted dips. But because I'm putting too much weight on my heavy dips and I'm not really using my triceps, I'm leaning over to bring to be able to push more weight. I'm bringing my front delts in to be able to press those heavy weighted dips. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, okay, I'm not front... When you wonder, well, shit, why are my front delts continuing to grow when I'm only hitting them one time a week? Well, realistically, when you're actually looking at what other days you're hitting them on, you're hitting them three or four times a week. By, because they're dominant muscle groups. Because they're dominant muscle so groups and they're coming into and they're, and they're taking over things. Yeah. So so when I'm trying to... Yeah, I mean, I can go and I can put 60 kilos around my waist and, and do weighted dips for a set of 12. Mm -hmm. I can use no weight and do... I mean, I've hit for like 46 dips yeah. in a set because my chest... But when I look back, my fucking delts are that pumped. They're like cannon, like they feel like they're about to explode like cannonballs. Yeah. And the thing is, is because my delts are so dominant, that's what took over. Did my mm -hmm. triceps do anything? Not really, probably. Mm -hmm. And that was my target group, target muscle. And so once again, I look back and, I, and I've hit a... I've hit a um, 
tricep day, I've done heavy weighted dibs, but my shoulders and chest have just got to work out and my triceps have just been that third accessory muscle group, really. Exactly. And you're kind of, you're leading into another point here. So I just want to, I want to really kind of like spell this out for the, for the listeners. So our first point is to understand what your strong and weak muscle groups are. Mm-hmm. Our second point is to actually stay away from the exercises that are going to make your dominant muscle groups more dominant. Mm-hmm. So, you know, make space in your training split mm. by removing a lot of those exercises. Like I said, I haven't done a, a shoulder press for two years. Yeah. So alter your training split and remove the exercises that are going to cause your dominant muscle groups to get more dominant and fill that space with exercises that are going to allow you to focus on your weaker muscle groups. Mm. And then the third point, which is what you're starting to get into now, mm is really lock down that mind-muscle connection with the weaker muscle groups Mm. so that when you're doing exercises where your stronger muscle groups can come in and take over, you're not allowing that to happen. That's what's going to naturally happen. And those two examples that I just used then are prime examples. Something like a pec deck, which is great for for activating your chest when when you want to be hitting your chest day, but because your front delts are, are more dominant... That's what will happen is your shoulder blades will come forwards, mm-hmm. you'll lean into it because you're trying to get more weight out and your front delts, it'll become a front delt movement instead of a chest movement. Mm-hmm. Um, as I just said, with, with, with dips, um, we all know that sort of you can keep more upright and try and take your chest and your shoulders out of it and hit more triceps. But once again, once people start fatiguing, um, your muscle groups start failing, you're going to start leaning forwards into it, you're going to start bringing your chest and your front delts into it and taking your triceps out of it. Mm-hmm. So once again, I've tried to be hitting my triceps and, and my front delts and, and shoulders have taken over the work. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that that, that mind muscle connection, and I speak about it a lot um, in a whole lot of different contexts. But I think when, especially when you've got aesthetics in mind, so you're trying to change the way your body looks, uh, for lack of a better term, mm. that is it's it is the number one piece of training advice. Mm. It really is because if you don't, and this is the example I, I love to give this example with my muscle connection because I use the the. Um, the difference between somebody who's training for aesthetic purposes or someone who's training to make their body look a certain way and someone who's training for performance purposes or someone who is training to, you know, perform in a sport or or, um, whatever it may be. The person who is doing an exercise to increase performance is trying to get a weight from point A to point B using whatever muscles possible the most efficiently way that their body, can, the most efficient way their body can, mm. right? So the the focus of a performance based athlete, and this can be a, you know, someone who's <clears throat> using weights to improve performance in a, a sport like basketball, football, tennis, uh, cricket, hockey, golf, whatever it may be, or someone who's specifically training for a weight based sport, so a powerlifter, strongman, weightlifter. Their primary purpose is to get the weight from point A to point B using whatever muscles they can, dominant, non-dominant, don't really care. It's about moving that weight from point A to point B. And then you look at it, and you're exactly right. And just like Let's just use a powerlifter, for example. Is yeah. a powerlifter doing a bench press? Yeah. It's just as much of an upper back movement as it is a chest movement. 100%. It's just as much of a tricep movement as it is a chest movement. So if, if you're looking at doing things like that, I mean, yeah, your upper back is, is you think of that as like a loaded spring. It's an upper back movement just as much. Yeah. So you, as soon as you transform that to a bodybuilding and you, yeah. you're taking, you're laying flat on the bench, yeah. you, you're changing up your grips. Yeah. So to, I mean, because that's the thing is when you're doing powerlifting bench, you want your, your triceps to be able to be as efficient as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, changing up those grips will change up the target muscles. So you're completely right. It is where, where as a bodybuilder who's for aesthetic purposes, that's where you need to know, all right, well, how is my body positioning on this mm-hmm. bench going to take, how is my mm-hmm. setup going to, going to be coming into effect? Mm-hmm. Um, a thing that, that uh, I see a lot of people doing is they'll go to, let's just say, an incline hammer strength plate loader machine because that's one I see all the time. And people, instead of sitting back flush with their bum in, in the where the seat and the back sit, their, mm-hmm. their bum is sitting at the front, very almost almost their bum's almost off the front of that p- pad mm-hmm. and it becomes almost like a fat, flat bench press, flat Absolutely. chest press. Yeah. So people, it's human nature about to do something to be able to. Why would you want to make something harder for yourself? That's the thing. Is well, you would if you were focused well, on that's doing it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> but it's human nature to make things as easy as possible. That's right. Yeah. If, if I'm, I mean, yeah, it looks a hell of a lot better when when I've got half the gym staring at me and I've got four plates aside on the hammer strength, mm-hmm. and I'm getting it for reps. But fuck, like, who knows what muscle is actually doing what? Mm-hmm. If you got one and a half plates aside, I'm doing nice, slow, controlled 
mind-muscle connection, working on the negatives, focusing on the contraction, getting the squeeze at the top of every rep, mm. I'm going to be activating that much more chest muscle. But yeah, it doesn't look as cool in the gym. Yeah, I'm not using as much weight. I can't go post that on Instagram because people laugh at me for using 30 kilos of side on hammer strength. Yeah. When I could just be throwing it up and bouncing off the weights and bouncing off my tendons and ligaments and getting 80 kilos aside. Um, yeah, that's, that's another thing is your setup as well. And this is, this is really kind of getting to the point I wanted to get to with my muscle connection is a performance athlete is primarily focused on getting the weight from point A to point B using whatever muscle groups possible in the most efficient manner, whereas an aesthetic-based athlete is focused on using the weight as resistance against a particular muscle contraction. Mm. And that muscle contraction are the muscles that they're trying to stimulate with that particular exercise using that particular weight. Yeah. So it's a complete shift in mindset. And when you start looking at the best way to bring up lagging muscle groups, you 100% have to have the aesthetic athlete's mind-muscle connection. Yeah. You have to. Mm. Or else your dominant muscle groups are going to take over and you're going to make no progress. Your stronger muscle groups are going to get stronger because you're doing triceps which are weak, your chest and delts are strong. Guess what's going to happen? Mm. They're going to take over your tricep movements. Mm. Or you've got a weak chest and really dominant front delts and you're bench pressing. Well, your front delts are going to take over. Mm. So your stronger muscle groups are going to get stronger. Your weaker muscle groups are not necessarily going to get weaker, but they're not going to they're not going to improve to the point where they're in proportion with the rest of your physique. Mm. So this aspect of mind-muscle connection, when you compare that of a performance athlete to an aesthetic athlete, you 100% need to be down the rabbit hole of the aesthetic athlete when you're trying to bring up lagging muscle groups. Mm. Okay. And then I think once you've kind of got those those three things, understanding what your strong and weak muscle groups are, stop doing exercises that focus on your stronger muscle groups and you know create space to allow you to do exercises that focus on those weaker muscle groups, you've got that mind-muscle connection sorted out, then it really does come down to frequency, yeah. which is kind of where we started. Yeah. Is it's like, okay, you know, if chest is a weak muscle group and you're only training it once a week, but you're training everything else once a week, well, it's not going to catch up. Yeah, so exactly. So that's really where once you've got those first three things laid out, then you can go and start thinking, okay, well, maybe I should train chest twice a week. Yeah. Maybe I should train it three times a week. But then <clears throat> there is an upper limit to that as well. Yeah. You don't want to be training that shit every damn day. Exactly. I mean, I, th I think another thing that you can – a good way to, to track that is the number of total sets mm -hmm. you're doing per muscle group. Mm -hmm. So depending even how you are splitting up your your sessions yep. or how many sessions times per week you're doing it, I think you really need to look at total number of sets per muscle group per week. Yeah. Um, by that, I mean, uh, let's just go, I know you follow um, uh, a, tr a traditional bodybuilding split. I do. Um, bro split. Bro split. Let's say yeah. bro split. So yeah. let's just say let's just say we're doing a five day bro split mm -hmm. for argument's sake. Back, mm -hmm. chest, shoulders, arms, legs. Mm -hmm. Your calves are, are lagging. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, let's go. Look at your leg day. You've gone and hit leg press. You've hit squats. You've hit hack squats. You've hit leg extensions, hamstring curls, stiff leg deadlifts, and you finished off with standing calf raises. Three sets. Three of sets 12. of standing calf raises <laughs> at the end of a workout. Whereas your chest, which is a dominant muscle group, you've gone and hit six exercises, and you've gone done drop sets. You've done, um, well, name it, anything you want to name. But you know what I mean? You're hitting, you're hitting 36, you're hitting 35, you're hitting 30 sets for chest. Yeah. Your chest is growing. Why is my chest getting so big and my calves aren't growing? Yeah. You've just hit 12 times the amount of, of total sets yeah. compared for chest compared to calves. I'm wondering why your calves aren't training. Yeah. Uh, aren't growing, sorry. Yeah. It really does come down to a numbers game at that point. Yeah. Is, you know, you do need to look at the frequency and the volume. And if you're trying to get a particular muscle group to catch up to stronger muscle groups, well, you need to be hitting it with more volume and ideally more frequency as well. And that's the thing is, is when people come up to you, you've got IFBB Pro-esque we are an IFBB pro. But <laughs> <sorry>. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> IFBB pro bodybuilder. Yeah. Like performance enhanced insulin fucking GH, everything, yeah. calves. Yeah. Like they're ridiculous. Yeah. And people say, how did you get your calves so big? Yeah. You go and you, when you were younger, you used to go on day of a full day dedicated to calves. Correct. A full workout just doing calves. Correct. Four or five different exercises, different angles, different yeah. steps, different intensifying, mm -hmm. intensifying techniques. Mm -hmm. 
you weren't just doing three sets at the end of a leg workout of standing calf raises or three sets of of um, no, I do. I do. I do twenty to thirty working sets a week, like I do for every other muscle group. <clears throat> exactly, and that's that's not what people want to hear. But that, that's what it took. Is is boring, is that, and this goes back to being fun. It's not fun going in and spending a whole workout doing just calves. No, it was boring as batshit. Exactly, <laughs> but that's the thing. Is, is it, when it comes down to a numbers How many game. Fucking calf raises can you do, man? Exactly. But when you look at, at you with your chest, and that's where you've gone and, and had a look at your chest. Yeah. And said, "All right, well." My chest is, is a weak point, so if everything else, I'm going to do 25 sets for every single muscle group. Yeah. For chest, I'm going to do 50 working sets a week. And and you know what? This is a really cool way to kind of finish off the fitness side of this podcast is let's let's give examples mm. of what we've done to bring up lagging muscle groups. I'll yeah. start off because you kind of segued into me already. So for me at the moment, my biggest weakness from a from a muscle group perspective is my chest mm. has been for a number of years and and still is and so that's my key lagging muscle group so what do i do personally what am i doing in the process of doing to build up my chest to bring that up into proportion with my other stronger more dominant muscle groups well first and foremost i've understood you know that it is a weak muscle group I've stopped doing things that will make my stronger muscle groups, such as my triceps and my shoulders, bigger and more dominant. So I'm allowing my chest the opportunity to catch up. My mind-muscle connection whenever I tra- train chest is 100% on using exercises to stimulate chest muscle and using weight as resistance against my chest muscle contraction. And then I train chest twice a week. And I train it twice a week with anywhere from 20 to 30 working sets, whereas every other muscle group gets 20 working sets. Mm, So I'm literally doing at least twice the volume per week of every other muscle group that I train and Mm. sometimes two and a half times the volume, depending on which muscle group you're comparing it to. So that's how I'm going about, you know, effectively implementing everything we've spoken about to bring up my weakest muscle group, which is my chest. Mm. I mean... I think the beauty of of fitness and health of fitness in, in all aspects, whether it be your training, supplementation, and diet, yeah. is to be constantly reevaluating what you're doing. Yes, and pro- and progressing with what you're doing. Yes. So what worked for you a year ago might not work for you now, or what 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 you thought was working. Yeah, but you know what you you know what Neve? Like I 100 percent I see where you're coming from, but. You know, the final thing that that perhaps we didn't mention mm. when we're talking about bringing up lagging muscle groups mm. is patience. Oh, that's exactly that's right. Like my my so my chest. So I've been doing this with chest. What I just told you guys, mm. I've been doing it for the better part of three years. Yeah, and and my chest is still a weak muscle group. Yeah, but I'm realistic, and I know it's gonna like it's it's not gonna happen in a year. It's not mm. gonna happen in two years. It's gonna take fucking five, six. Seven. I've been training. I've been training competing for. 13 fucking years. Mm. It's taken, you know, take three years away from that. It's taken 10 years for my chest to get weak. So it would make sense it's going to take 10 years for it to get back to where it needs to be. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I'll, I'll explain what I mean when I when I said that is, is, yeah. is I look at how my training's evolved over the years. Yeah. And I was, and then I'll sit back and, and I'll reflect on, on what I've done on my training cycle for the past six months or three months and yeah. see how my body's progressed. Yeah. Um, what's made changes, what's gotten stronger, what's gotten smaller, how my measurements have gone, those kind of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, like I went and did, um, uh, just because of the way my training was going, I was doing a push-pull leg split. Yeah. Push-pull leg, push-pull leg. Yeah. The thing with that is I found that hitting push-pull leg, hitting... Your, your chest and back would have just fucking dominated exactly, everything. Exactly. And, and those monstrous quad sweeps... Exactly. So your strongest would have just gotten stronger, and that, that was the issue. Yeah. And then and then doing biceps, I found that doing like on a push day, yeah, I was doing two chest exercises, yeah. two shoulder exercises, yeah. one or two tricep exercises. And tries are a weak muscle. Tries are a weak muscle group. They weren't getting enough activation. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Is I look back and I said, well, look, this is how it's been happening. I've gotten good growth from my chest and back and my yeah. shoulders. My muscle groups have gotten stronger, as you said. Yeah. But look, the weak muscle groups I really want to bring up haven't yeah. grown, haven't gotten any bigger. So I just took a step back. Yeah. Changed to a changed it to a push pull leg arm day. Yeah, and I chucked arms on their own on on the fourth day. Yeah, had a day off, started again. Yeah, um, so that way I wasn't doubling up on any muscle groups mm-hmm. after legs. I was hitting um, arm day, so I was having a day off, but in between my push day and pull day, leg day, then arms. So my upper body was still in that rest. Yeah, having a day off after that, and then going back to push pull leg yeah. arms. 
that that was good. Um, but then I just found out that look, my arms probably still aren't growing like they need to. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was hitting like two exercises on on bicep day. Oh, sorry, like two exercises on biceps on pull day, mm-hmm. and I was hitting maybe three exercises on <coughs> on on a on a on an arm day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was getting anywhere from sort of four to six exercises still, and I just thought, well, fuck, my my biceps really still aren't getting the attention they need to grow. Mm-hmm. So just recently, in the last couple of weeks, I've gone and I've gone back to more a bit more of a bro split, mm-hmm. and I've chucked biceps on their own in one day, triceps on their own in another day, mm-hmm. and giving them a full day now. There you go. So that's what I mean by by reevaluating your training, looking back and seeing how the results have gone, yeah. and then making slight changes to your training, just as you would with your diet. Yeah. Oh, look, I've, I've up my carb intake, but I've gotten a little bit chubby here. I need to cut my carbs back. So mm-hmm. things like that. Obviously, it's probably not quite as noticeable with a diet because diet you can see changes over a couple of weeks if you're at a lower body fat. Mm-hmm. But as you said, it's patience. It's giving your a your program long enough to actually time, time to yeah. work. Yeah. But. Reevaluating it and and not so. I mean, doing the same thing. What's it? What's the that saying you say about doing the same thing over and expecting a different result? It, it, it's how you know you're psychopathic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's doing the same thing over and over, but expecting a different result. Yeah, if I'm doing the yeah. same workout over and over again, yeah. And year after year, I'm if I'm doing a brace, but I've been doing that for five years, and over those five years, my arms haven't grown, but my chest and back have gotten kept getting bigger. Yeah. Why am I going to keep doing that when that's not what I want? I want my arms to get bigger. So you've got to change it up. So, I mean, that's that's the thing is re- reevaluate your training, look back at what's worked, what hasn't worked, and make changes to to, to, to make it work. All right. So before we before we segue into business, just to, just to distill it out, cap it off for you guys, our pretty much five-step process to bringing up lagging muscle groups. Step one, understand which, which of your muscle groups are strong and which are weak and get yourself in the mindset where you're going to focus on those weaker muscle groups and allow the stronger muscle groups just to plateau for a little bit. Step two, stop doing exercises or stop focusing on a particular split that allows your stronger muscle groups to take over and get more stronger and more dominant. Step three, push yourself towards the aesthetic mind-muscle connection and away from the performance mind-muscle connection where you're focusing on using weight as resistance in particular exercises against muscular contractions rather than trying to get a weight from point A to point B however you can. Step four, increase the frequency and the volume for your weaker muscle groups. And step five, be patient, but also make sure you're evaluating and reflecting on whether or not you're doing what you're doing is actually working. Mm-hmm. Boom. Covered it. And even Joe's five-step process to building up lean. <laughs> Let me start again. And even Joe's five-step process to bringing up lagging muscle grooms. So when you got twenty-inch, oh. pyth- so when you got twenty-inch pythons next year, that's it. You can say episode three of the Massive Joe Show. Fuck. Yeah, I owe them guys. All right, business. Why running your own business is not for everyone. Big Neve. I'll lead off. I have yeah, I have a lot to say, but I'll let you lead off. Okay, so I did. I did. I put a post up on uh, on my personal Instagram. If you don't follow at Joseph Mansell, it's where it's at. Uh, I put a post up uh, on a on a Sunday night a couple of weeks ago. So it's, it's not a new post. It's a post that I've actually reposted a couple of times. I think I first wrote it a couple of years ago, actually, um, and it was a post where I talk about the perceived benefits of running your own business slash being an entrepreneur slash being the boss and everyone, you know, who isn't focuses on the perceived benefits and how different or how distant the perceived benefits are from the reality Mm. of running your own business slash being an entrepreneur slash being the boss. I mean, it's gotten so much worse in the age of social media and Instagram. Yes. That is the biggest problem, I think. Yep. Is... The issue is, is that Instagram and Facebook is a highlight of your life. Mm-hmm. You, you're not, you're not showing the shit times. Yeah, you're not showing the bad times. Not showing yeah. the lonely times. Yeah, you're only showing the times when things are great. The things you want to show people. Yeah. Um. Let's. I'll use Massadros for example. Mm-hmm. I'll use you for an example. Sure. You'll post things like the cool training videos at Gold's Gym. Yeah. You'll post the cool training videos with Mike Rashid. Yeah. With Sean Tabardi, with Mark Lobliner. Yeah. You'll show the videos of you at um, 
us joking around in the office trying a new a new protein. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll the, the the store openings, the common trains, the interesting shit, the interesting shit that that look enjoyable, that are enjoyable, yeah, that look enjoyable, yeah, that look fun, yeah. You're not showing the you sitting up at at midnight at your kitchen bench, yeah, working through legal documents, yeah. You're not showing you not at family events. Mm-hmm. Or the times you missed out on on engagement parties or friends' birthdays over the years, mm-hmm. or the family trips that you've missed out on, or, or when you are on a family trip, you sitting back at the hotel room while they're out. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not showing the stress of of financial stresses mm-hmm. when I mean all business go through go through ups and downs, mm-hmm. but you're not showing any financial stresses. You're mm-hmm. not showing any um, of the the employee HR issues. I mean, those kind of things. You're never showing the negatives of business. And, and companies never do show the negatives of businesses. It's always just showing those positives. Correct. And and people get that. I mean, people, I mean, I'm sure people say to you, and I mean, I've heard it before, and people say it to me as employee, but they're saying, oh, you're so lucky to, to work at Massive Joe's. All you do is lift weights and try supplements <laughs> and shoot videos. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's legit what they think yeah. Massive Joe's is. Yeah. They don't see the time and effort you've put on, and they don't see the behind the scenes work. So they don't see back to 2003, even 2002, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but the time of you selling protein out of the back of your car. Mm-hmm. Like they don't see the, the amount of time it's taken to build this business. It's no, not something that's. Not. People might have heard of Massive Joe's two years ago through Instagram or YouTube. Or the last six months. Last six months, but they haven't seen the 14 years before that of, yep. of the stresses, the tears, the. the the losses that you've encountered, the challenges, to get, the challenges to yeah. get to where you are now. Yeah, I think you know the the it's it's an interesting topic and, and, and uh, it's kind of come up and we wanted to discuss it in this podcast because I think you know yourself as well, moving from national sales manager, you know where you kind of started at Massive Joe's and have been for the better part of the first five years you've been with this company, mm. where you were very much task focused, you were just worried about, you know, primarily the online sales of this business Mm. and, you know, we're kind of in a bubble, so to speak, moving into the general manager position over the last six months where you've literally, you know, I guess kind of had your eyes open to all the different facets of the business from, you know, obviously still sales, but then you're looking at, um, you know, you're looking at the financial uh, side of the business, cash flow, you're looking at HR, you're looking at wholesale sales, you're looking at retail sales, you're seeing all these different moving parts. Mm. Um, and I think it's been a, you know, a, a good insight for you into like how much shit actually is going on. Yeah. Um, and a good contrast for you as well, because, you know, you've had experience running your own business as well, mm. um, you know, before you started working for Massive Joe's. And, and I guess now as, as GM, you kind of see like the amount of shit that I've got on my plate um, and the amount of stuff that I have to do that, you know, employees don't have to do yeah. um, because they're not ultimately accountable for the failure or success of the business. They are for their particular part of the business, but mm. ultimate accountability rests on me. Yeah. Um, and I think it's been, you know, kind of an insightful process for you. And that's why I'm excited that we're kind of talking about it in this podcast, because mm. I think it's, you know, it's going to give us a little bit of contrast on, in both directions. But, you know, I, I wanted to kind of kick it back. And the reason why I wrote that Instagram post, um, you know, about the difference between perception and reality of, of entrepreneurship and running your own business and being the boss, so to speak, is because like right now at this point in time, it's so in fashion. Mm. Everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. Everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. Everyone wants to run their own business. Everyone wants to be the boss. You go back to like my parents, my grandparents, like being your own boss, being an uh, a quote unquote entrepreneur, running your own business was like shit. Mm. Like that was not what you said. Like you set out to get a good education, get a good job, be employed by somebody. Yeah. Like that was what was put on a pedestal. That was the ultimate aim. And now like it seems like in this time of, and I think social media has had a lot to do with it because of what you spoke about where what you show on social media are the highlight reels. Social media is kind of 
got entrepreneurship and running your own business and being the boss on this fucking pedestal and mm. it's so in fashion at the moment, but people really, you know, don't understand what's involved. And that's that's the thing is, is ever since I was 15, I've wanted to, I've never really wanted to work for people. I've never yeah. enjoyed working for people. Yeah. And I've made, you know this, yeah. um, which is why I guess I think you and I have worked together well as a team because we both yeah. have business ownership and business management um, strengths. Yeah. We don't have that employee mindset. We've yeah. got a business ownership mindset. So I think mm-hmm. we both work well together and why Massive Joe's has grown well with us working in unison. We're mm-hmm. working together with each other. Um, I did have my own landscaping business, but mm-hmm. um, I, I can go into that further later on. Mm-hmm. But you're exactly right with past generations. And I mean, I've always wanted to open my own gym. Mm-hmm. Um, and whenever I've spoken to my mum about that, uh, let's go back even in early 20s, mm-hmm. I wanted to transform our home garage into a personal training studio. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that didn't happen, obviously, because mm. my mum, yeah, didn't didn't allow it to happen. <laughs> didn't like that idea. But even over the past, like, 12 months and even over the past six months, yeah. I mean, I've spoken to you about it as well, but, yeah, um, yeah speaking to my mum about it, my mum and me have, like, not spoken for three, two or three days mm. because she thinks that I'm the biggest fucking idiot with wanting to open my own gym or doing my own business. <laughs> my mum's the mindset of, of that nine to five job security. Yeah. Like probably all of our, a lot of our parents are. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I speak to someone like my dad about it, my dad who has worked for Coles and he's used to that nine to five business management, but he can see and he said, says if he had things differently, had his time again, he would go back and he would have taken those risks. Yeah. He would have um, invested in those things he wanted to do. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, my, my dad does very, very well through Coles, but he says if he has time differently, he probably would have done things a little bit, taken a few more risks. But yeah. as my dad says, if I want to do something, I have to be prepared to risk it all, which, yeah. which is another thing that I think people aren't willing to do. They probably aren't willing to give up their smashed avocado or, or their fancy car or those kind of things. Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, that's another fucking topic right there. But um, yeah, it's just just our gen, our generation seems to be the hot thing at the moment of wanting to own your own business, whereas, yeah. whereas our, our parents before us, I mean, yeah, as I said, my mum thinks I'm crazy for wanting to do anything. Mm. My mum thinks, stay at Massive Joe's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but my mum says, stay at Massive Joe's, work nine to five, get your salary, mm-hmm. get your home loan. Mum's very, just very old school. Mm-hmm. And this, you, you know, the, the thing is, man, is this, there's, I, I, I want to make it unequivocally clear at the moment, right, is that there's nothing wrong with that. Definitely not. Right? There's nothing wrong with not being an entrepreneur. There's nothing wrong with working for somebody else. There's nothing wrong with being, you know, the number two in a successful business, Mm. the number 10 in a successful business, the number 200 in a successful Mm. business. There's nothing wrong with that. Look at number number 200 in uh, Apple. Yeah. I mean, probably, yeah. I mean, they're probably still on yeah. fucking 10, 20 times the amount where, or 20 yeah. times the amount wage your average person is on. So Yeah, 100%. And, you know, the, the, the fact that it's in fashion at the moment and, you know, the highlight reels of, of, of successful entrepreneurs or, or, you know, what seem to be successful entrepreneurs who behind the scenes aren't successful at mm. all, but the shit that they post on social media makes themselves look mm. important and successful. Mm. Um, you know, the pressures that that's kind of putting on people to, to go and, uh, you know, to go and be their own boss, start their own enterprise, you know, it's fine not to. Yeah, exactly. You know, you don't feel the, 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 actually, you know, I did an Instagram live about this the other night um, because I got asked this question. Don't feel the pressure of other people's opinions or even sometimes not of other people's opinions of what you suspect other people's opinions are that actually aren't other people's no. opinions at all. Don't feel the pressure to go and do something that you're not suited for. I mean, look, look I mean, my sister, since she was, three years old or two years old wanted yeah. to be a school teacher. Yeah. And that's what she's gone and done is she's wanted to be a school teacher. It's never once crossed her mind to go... Start her own school. Start her own school or, yeah. or start your own... Uh, what's it? Um, like tutoring business or anything. Yeah. That's never crossed her mind. My, my sister has always just wanted to be a school teacher and there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. The thing is, is society will always need school teachers or always need ambulance drivers, yeah. always need fire fighters. It's always going to need doctors. Yeah. It's always going to need those very well-paying jobs... Mm-hmm. That, that are going to be around well, until robots come and take over, but they're going to be around for, for at least our lifetime. 100%. And, 
And I think, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're, we're, we're talking, we're not necessarily talking around in circles. I think we're addressing some good points here, but I do want to kind of, for the listeners, I want to kind of, you know, give them some valuable information about this, this topic. And, you know, because there's probably a few people thinking, you know, should I, like, where do I fall on this spectrum? Yeah. You know, how do I figure out if I am actually someone who's supposed to be an entrepreneur or own my own business? And how do I figure out if I'm someone who's not? Mm. And I think, you know, the first thing, the first point is self-awareness mm. and kind of understanding, are you the sort of person who needs to be doing your own thing? who needs to be pursuing your own interests, who needs to be identifying. You know, the biggest thing of entrepreneurs is identifying problems and finding solutions. Mm. Like, are you that sort of person? And the thing is, is that what you enjoy doing? The thing is, though, is, is that isn't something that's taught. No, it's not. You either are or you aren't. And, um, and it is something that you're just self-aware of, though, I believe. Yeah. Either you know that you can run a business or... You, but I, won't, I actually, it's not, it's, it's not something you're self-aware of because I know so many people who I'm like, how the fuck are you in business or why are you in business? No, that's a lack of self-awareness. Yeah, which that is a lack of self-awareness. And that's what I'm saying is I'm saying the first point is exercise some self-awareness. You know, for, for me, I'll give you guys some examples of me. You know, back when I was in, in high school, I used to go and, and take money that my grandfather would give me just in case he used to give me he used to give me a, a twenty dollar note just in case I didn't mm. have any money to catch the bus. Mm. So I used to take the twenty dollar note, mm. go to the supermarket, buy a thirty pack of Coca Cola mm. and take it to school and undercut the top shop yeah. and make money. Yeah. And then pay him the twenty bucks back and keep the profit. Yeah. I used to run this is this is a story I actually haven't told before. This is a little bit of Massive Joe's podcast exclusive, uh, Massive Joe's show exclusive. Back in high school, we used to play like at um at uh, recess and lunch, we used to play poker games. Mm. So I decided to monetize the poker games. Yeah. And so people had to pay me to get in on the table and play poker. Yeah. But like, so I was doing shit like that as before I even knew what the fuck that was. As a kid, I was doing shit that was entrepreneurial. Yeah. So that was always kind of from a self-awareness perspective. I knew that without even knowing what that was called, that process was instilled in me. It was just, just something that I've had. Yeah. And well, that's I mean, what I think you're getting at. Is well, like if you exercise self-awareness, you've either got it or you don't. But something that's very funny is, is it's very similar though in our stories. Yeah. Although it shows the different areas we grew up in is your story <laughs> playing poker. But, I'm not sure I want to hear this story. But I grew up in the north and yeah. um, we had, my mum owned it. My mum actually, my mum, as I said before, who's a nine to five, she actually did have her own business for quite a time yeah. out of Westfield. Yeah. And the, the shop that was directly across from her was a game shop. Yeah. Um, which is sell like board games and, yeah. and use model cars, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. They used to have those little crackers that used to throw at the ground they used to explode. Yeah. I used to buy them and then take them to school and people used to buy them off at recess and lunch to throw at the throw at kids yeah. <laughs> or throw at teachers and stuff. But it's the profit. same thing. Yeah. Is you used to buy them and just say, oh look, I'll buy like you buy ten packs of them, buy ten packs of twenty. Yeah. And you used to go sell them for two bucks each. And people used to go buy five off you for ten bucks and yeah. you used to make profit out of it. But yeah, as you just said, it's it's not something that you knew what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You didn't think, oh, this is a scalable business model or anything like that. Yeah. You just thought, oh, fuck, I can... You just, you, <laughs> just saw an op you saw an opportunity <laughs> just bought and, and you figured them. out a solution to it. Yeah. You know, that's at its heart. That's effectively what it is. Mm. So that's the first point is exercising self-awareness. The second point, and this is a big, big, big one, and this is where I talk about the difference between perception and reality, is understand what you want your lifestyle to look like. Exactly. Like, do you, firstly, you need to know what the reality of being an entrepreneur, being a boss, running your own enterprise is. Mm. And is that how you want your lifestyle to look? You know, I mean, you gave some, some examples. Like, do you, do you want to work till midnight every fucking mm. night? Do you want to not have weekends off? Do you want, like, you, you, you see me when you come in here on weekends. I'm here every fucking day. Mm. Do you want the financial pressures of running a business? Mm. Like, is that actually what you want your lifestyle to look like? And, and the thing is as well is just one step, just add on to this, is yeah. if you're going to be doing that, fucking make it something you love though. Well, we're going to get to that in a second. Okay, so I'll just stop there. But yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's the thing is yeah. what you said is, is I so I started my own landscaping business when I was about 20. Yeah. So straight out of high school, I, all my mates wanted to be physios, they wanted to be chiros, they wanted to be school teachers. I wanted to either lift weights. Yeah. I thought, that's why I said lift weights or play AFL football. I didn't yeah. know how I was going to make money lifting weights and I never hit six foot. So I had to find something else to do. Yeah. I always enjoyed um, gardening, like mowing the lawns and those kind of things, yeah. um, which is more of the sort of... Um, 
artistic flair, I guess, even though I'm shit at art, but that yeah. sort of like that designing and seeing something creative, creative, yeah. it's creative flair. Yeah. And I enjoyed landscaping, enjoyed having something from scratch and then um, seeing that in product. So that, that creativity. Um, so I um, worked for a guy for a couple of years and then made a, a lot of good contacts in the industry um, just through like through doing jobs and going to the to the landscaping yard. So I decided to start my own landscaping business. Mm. And I thought, fuck, here I was, here I was at 20 mm. and I was making five, 100 bucks cash a day. Mm. So I thought I was rolling in cash at, mm. at 18 or 19. And here I was getting 500 bucks. My mates were on 230 bucks on their electricity, electrical apprenticeships. Yeah. And I had like shoe boxes of 10 grand cash because obviously I was living at home, had no outgoings. I had like shoe boxes of cash. Yeah. And here I am thinking, oh shit, this is great. Imagine if I did my own thing. Like yeah. I could have fucking ten shoe boxes of ten grand cash. Yeah. I'll have a million dollars by the time I'm twenty five. Yeah. I actually said that. I said I'll be a millionaire by the time I'm twenty five. Yeah. That fucking hasn't happened. But <laughs> um but the thing is, is I thought, yeah, this would be great. I mean, the things you don't see in business is is dealing with customers. Eh? I would just name a few things off the top of the head that I yeah. never even thought of. Yeah. Is dealing with customers, constant phone calls from customers. Where yeah. are you? This um, sprinkler head's broke, blown off. Um, where's my quote? Those kind of things. Yeah. Finding jobs to go do. Mm-hmm. Actually, like, you, you don't just, out of landscaping, working with somebody else. He told me where to be at mm-hmm. 7 o'clock on a Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Being your own boss, you have to find that work. You mm-hmm. have to go out there and, and do those quotes. You have to win those quotes. You have to go home and quote those jobs up. Mm-hmm. You have to order the materials. You have to drive, get the materials. The materials don't just get magically delivered to you on a truck. Mm-hmm. Um, like designing the jobs. Um, then at the end of the day, obviously stuff like your bass, your taxes, keeping those kind of people happy, mm-hmm. paying your wages, so making sure, obviously, if you go and buy, paying your accounts as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's great to go and buy $300 worth of, of plants, but you have to pay that. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, when you've gone and quoted someone $3,000, the materials have cost you $2,900 because you haven't budgeted correctly mm-hmm. and you've got 100 bucks for the week at the end of the day. It's like, well, fuck, oh, here, okay, I've got 100 bucks this week to live on. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those little things that a lot of people just don't think of mm-hmm. when they think, oh, yeah, this would be great. Think of the money I can make if I'm doing it for myself and, and the boss isn't taking money. Yep. Well, you didn't have to worry about any of that kind of shit. You just rocked up at seven, left at three, got my hour of smoko. Yep. Went home, took home your paycheck, yeah, and game over. Had Went, my had my five hundred yeah. bucks in an envelope in his letterbox on a Friday afternoon. Yeah, I didn't have to worry about going back till Monday. Yeah, I mean, in 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 the end, I was working seven till five at night, mm-hmm. going doing quotes at six o'clock, mm-hmm. getting home, looking through the the quote books or, or going through the prices that I'd called about during the day. Yeah, writing quotes up, putting them into a spreadsheet in Excel, um, sending them off emailing to clients, following up. Then, then at the end of the day, putting you... You were probably earning less per hour. <laughs> dramatically, dramatically. <laughs> when you do the per hour. When you look at the per hour, yeah. Sum. It was crazy. And then, and then yeah. because of that, and because I was trying to get ahead, I mean, I was working seven days a week. Over the course of four years, I probably had three days off. Yeah. And that, that was the thing. Like, pretty much Christmas days were the only days I had off. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Um, the thing as well is stuff like um, wet days, rainy days. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's too hot, where you've got a boss, oh, look, there's a fucking three drops out on my head, I'm going home. Mm-hmm. You can't do that as your own boss. Mm-hmm. If you don't work, you don't get paid. Mm-hmm. So so many little things like that, you just do not think about. And I think, you know, that's it's great that you're bringing that up as well because that's kind of a segue into the third point, which is accountability. Mm. And this is this is something with with entrepreneurship and running your own business that, you know, I think a lot of people kind of get the concept of, but there's a big, big difference between understanding it in theory and understanding it in practice mm. is that when you run your own business, you are ultimately accountable exactly for its success, but more so for its failure. Yeah. Like you are literally, you are the last line of defense. Yeah. You are ultimately accountable. You know, you can't, if your staff mess up, mm. it's your fault. Yeah. You can blame staff all you want, but you're the person that hired them. Mm, exactly. You're the person who let them, you know, into that position and allowed them to make the mistakes that they made. You're ultimately accountable. You're accountable for, you know, the the the, the stresses of uh, of quoting correctly, as you mm, mentioned. Mm. You're account. You're you you're ultimately accountable for everything that yep. goes right or wrong. In your own enterprise. Another thing is, as well is, is the motivation. You have yeah. to be very extremely self-motivated. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's days like if, I've, if I'm feeling a bit sick today at work, oh, mm-hmm. fuck, I might sit there, oh, look, Joe, I'm not feeling too well. Mm-hmm. 
just sit there, punch out some emails, not go sort of go through the motions of like the, which probably everyone does in their jobs yep. when you're not feeling well. You go through the motions. Probably did I put in 100 percent effort today? Probably not. I had a bit of a sore throat. Yeah, you can't do that as yourself as a as a um, as your own business. Well, you can. But it's going to be reflected. Exactly, exactly. Because <laughs> you're ultimately accountable for it. A job that should Can't have handball, ta- actually. And a job that should have taken me two days yeah. has gone and taken me six days. Yeah. A job that I've quoted for this job's going to take me 25 hours and yeah. then it's taken me 75 hours. Yeah. Oh, fuck, here I was making 100 bucks an hour, now I'm making $33 an hour. And I think, you know, I think a lot of people really struggle with accountability. Yeah. They really do. You mm-hmm. know, people, especially in our generation, man, people are so quick to blame somebody or blame uh, an institution or just, just fucking blame. Mm. When you're your own boss, you can, you, you can, I mean, you can blame all the fuck you want, yeah. but ultimately it comes back on you. Exactly. You know, I've got a saying that, that I use around here a lot. When you point the finger, the three pointing back at you. Mm. Really, that's a saying for me. It doesn't yeah. really apply to anyone else, yeah. but it, but it kind of does. But when you're, you know, when you're running your own business, you are, you are at fault for everything that goes wrong. Yeah. Everything. Mm. Exactly. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah. And I think that this kind of all ties into, you know, the the final point is, you know, you, if you're thinking about going down this path, if you've gone through the checklist and you're like self-awareness, yep, cool, I'm, you know, I've got an entrepreneurial streak. Lifestyle, yep, I'm happy to give up my weekends, time with friends, time with family, money, you know, all of the perceived benefits. I'm happy to actually live the entrepreneurial lifestyle. I'm cool with accountability. I get it. The last thing is... Make sure that whatever you're going to do, whatever you're going to pursue, you are 100% passionate about. Mm. Like, not like you like it, not that you love it, that you're like, wake up in the morning, it's what you think, (laughs) it's the first thing you think about, last thing at night, it's the last thing you think about. Fucking, it is like you are passion. (laughs) I just laugh into myself because make sure that as well as being your passion is something that you want to go and do. My thing about that is like my passion, like I fucking love smoothies. I yeah. love protein smoothies. Yeah. It's the first thing I think of when I wake up. <laughs> it's my first meal. Fuck. I think about different smoothie recipes. I think about my next smoothie. Yeah. Do I want to go and stand for nine hours a day making smoothies for people because at Steve's smoothie shop? I don't know, do you? No, I don't. I fucking <laughs> drive me crazy. Steve's smoothie shop. I like that one. But... It drive me crazy. But the thing is, is yeah, even if it's your passion, I'm very passionate about coffee and fucking and and protein. Is is make a list. That's another thing. But you it's do. not the thing is though, man. Is you're not passionate about it. You like it. <laughs> yeah, true. That's the difference. Yeah. You know, I had I had a um, a couple of discussions with. Uh, it should be things that you that you that you think of subconsciously without knowing you're thinking about. 100%. And which is like which is the same as you and I is yeah. we're constantly thinking of of weight training. We're both constantly yeah. thinking of supplements. We're both th- constantly thinking of 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 body goals. Those kind yeah. of things is is that fitness and lifestyle. We both live it and breathe it. The thing is I uh, I I had um a couple of conversations with some people at the Arnold this year mm. um back in uh back in March 2018 at the Massive Joe's mega booth and the conversations were along the lines of um people asked me what I do when I burn out these were people that were running their own business I can't remember exactly what they were doing but they were entrepreneurs running their own business um and they were like you know I'm just I feel like I'm burnt out man like you know what do you do when you get burnt out mm. and uh, you know, I talked them, talked them through it and kind of talked, you know, got it out of them. And effectively where we ended up is what they were doing. They weren't passionate about it. Yeah. I'm like, man, honestly, like I get tired. Yeah. I get run down, mm. but I don't get burnt out. Yeah. If you're getting burnt out, you're not passionate about what you're doing. Mm. You may like it. Yeah. You may love it. Yeah. You may like the idea of it, mm. but... There's no passion there. You don't get burnt out doing something you're passionate about doing. And that, in the end of the day, is is what I realized with landscaping. Yeah. Is I didn't love standing in the fucking heat in the sun. Yeah. I didn't enjoy getting sunburned every day. Yeah. I didn't enjoy walking around wearing seven layers of clothing because yeah. it was a six or four degree morning. Yeah. I didn't enjoy constantly kneeling down in mud with dirt all over my hands, putting in a sprinkler system. Or, yeah. or I didn't enjoy having to dig that 10 meter trench. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed landscaping, but at the end of the day, I didn't. I didn't love it. Your your passion for landscaping didn't outweigh all of those things that you didn't enjoy about it, and especially those those uh, as I said before, those factors of being your own boss. Yep. 
just added on top of that. And this is where it fucking this is where it all ties in, man. Like if and that you, was that was what I was thinking if, of. I'm like, I could go work nine to five yep. for my dad at Coles. Yep. Uh, this was before I found Master Joe's, but yep. I'm like, fuck, I could just go work nine to five with my dad at Coles, yep. have a steady wage. I could have my super paid for. Mm-hmm. I could have a boss that tells me what to do. I don't have mm-hmm. to use my fucking brain. Mm-hmm. I could have I could have um, money in the bank. I can have nights I, off, weekends off. Yeah, I can actually holidays. get I can actually get a home loan because I have <laughs> financial yep. records. Yeah, that was and another big. Self-employed. That was another big thing. Is yep. it, I'm happy to delve into this this um um share this knowledge with you now yeah but like my profit and loss for the business yeah. like even after wages and all that showed that i earned twelve thousand seven hundred dollars a year yeah it was great on paying tax yeah i couldn't get a fucking no a bank wouldn't even look at me yeah i couldn't get a car loan let alone yeah. a fucking house loan yeah is you have to look at all those little things and, and that, that was another big thing is i, I was getting towards 24 25 yeah like i can't actually get a house without a, a partner at that time yeah. like we can't actually get a house together yeah because it shows that I own twelve thousand dollars a year. Yeah, because the books don't show what banks want. want no, want exactly, to see. exactly. Yeah. yeah, I did. Yeah. I was taking a wage, but that's yeah. not what the profit and loss statement was showing. That's correct. So yeah, that's another thing you have to look at is those kind of things. And you know, if you uh, ultimately, if you're not actually one hundred percent insanely passionate about what you do. All of these things, this accountability, these effects on your lifestyle, the not being self-awareness, all of these, when you come up against these these brick walls, when you come up against these challenges, they're going to knock you down mm. because your passion is not strong enough to get through them. Mm. And that's why, you know, ultimately, I mean, if you're thinking about going down this path of, of starting your own enterprise, running your own business, you know, passion is fucking everything, man. Mm. It really is. Yeah. But, you know... The, the, uh, we've kind of we've almost gone a little bit off topic here, yeah. <laughs> but I mean the purpose of, of of this part of the podcast, the business part of this podcast, was why running your own business isn't for everyone. So you know we hope that we've given you guys some some actual insights into what it looks like. Mm. But you know the thing that I I, I kind of want to leave people with is you know looking at this kind of checklist that we've come through: self awareness, effects on lifestyle, ultimate accountability, and passion. Like if you're not a hundred percent checking all these boxes, that's fine. Mm. Like it's fine, man. Mm. Mm. Don't feel the pressure to go and start your own business or be your own boss because you fucking think it's cool at the moment. Mm. Because you know what? In five, 10, 15, 20 years, it's not going to be cool. You know what's going to happen? The last the last recession that we had as a, a, in you know the worldwide economy effectively was fucking 2008, mm. was the global financial crisis. We're due for another one. And you know what's going to happen when that hits? All of this in-fashion entrepreneurship is going to go out the fucking door because so many businesses that have been able to fake these four points mm. because the economy's been so good are going to fucking collapse. That's the thing. And, and, yeah, and I just want to go quickly back to, yeah. to the whole trying to do what other people, trying to impress other people. Yeah. Like trying to impress Gary and Lisa, Gary and Lisa on Instagram by owning your own business. Yeah. Gary and Lisa aren't going to pay you fucking rent. Gary and Lisa aren't going to pay your food bills or your yeah. fucking hospital bills or those kind of things that come yeah. up. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, you need to worry about yourself. Exactly. Do what makes you happy. Don't worry about what other people think is cool or if, yeah. if, it's, if it's cool at the moment to own your own whatever it could be business. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Own your own yeah. business. Yeah. Those people aren't going to help you in any way. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter what other people think. That's fine. Just do what you want to do. Mm. And it's, you know, running your own business, it's for some people 100%. Mm. And there's a bunch of you listening to this that are going, yeah, fuck. You know, I did that shit when I was younger. I'm happy to sacrifice lifestyle. Mm. I'm cool with ultimate accountability. And I found something that I'm insanely passionate about. Fucking go for it. Mm. But if you're listening and you're not, that's fine. Don't go for it. it on, like, I've, I've got mates. I've got mates who yeah. who will go and work for three months, like as a as a as a um as a labourer. Yeah, like making cement for brickies. Yeah, like going and, and just being lackeys. Yeah, to save enough cash, they can go travel to Thailand for two months or three months. Yeah, or go travel to Greece or, yeah. or live out of a backpack. Like. That, that's what they want to do in life, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's fucking fine, man. Well, I wish I could go travel for I'm, I'm, I'm like, fucking, can I, get, can I get a piece of this action? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, but they don't have worries. They rock up to work, nine to five, or, it, or seven to three, whatever job that's they may it. be doing. Yeah. They make cement, go home. Fuck. If, if my biggest worry in the day was how to fuck, have I put the right ratio of cement to bricky sand to water, yeah. fuck, I'd be loving life. 
Yeah. And probably you would too, not uh, not all the stresses you go throughout the day. 100%, man. Mm. 100%. I think that's a good place to leave off, Neve. But we'll probably keep going for another hour. We, uh, <laughs> just, you know, we might just have to do a business podcast and just talk about this <laughs> shit forever. But I think that's, that's you know, we, we've kind of, a, we, I hope that we've given you guys some insights. Mm. Um, you know, those of you who are kind of on the fence, I guess, about, you know, if you're if you're thinking about going into business, um, hopefully this sways you one direction or the other. Is it those, of you, wanna... those of you who are in business, because I know that a lot of people listen do run their own business, are probably like, yeah, fucking, I feel that shit. Yeah, I know what's up. Well, maybe we've just sort of a lot of solidified some people's thoughts. Yeah, and maybe we've woken up some people to like, is that what I actually want to do with my life? Absolutely. Because as Joe said, there's nothing wrong with being number two or number twenty or number two hundred. It's fine. It's fucking. There's lots of benefits to mm. it, man. Lots and lots of benefits. Mm-hmm. Big Neve, do you have anything else you'd like to add? That's it. Before we roll on out of this episode three podcast? Roll out. Let's roll out. Thank you guys for tuning in. Until next time, where are we coming to and from, man? Massivejoes.com. Stay massive. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Massive Joes Show. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it be SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, Podbean, Stitcher, or tune in. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode of The Massive Joe Show, ensure that you give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting platform. Until next time, we're coming to you from massivejoes.com. Stay massive.